0: I believe that there are a lot more people who are visionaries than who are great integrators because it's easy to dream and not get anything done, right? It's very easy to do that. Now, of course, a great visionary uh, are going to do more than just dream, um, but even they uh, can benefit from having someone who executes well because it frees up your capacities to really stay at the strategic level and to think about building your business. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects? without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD. Dr. Vikram Raya is a functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert, is here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life, unlock your limitless potential, and achieve greatness, all while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Ryan. and today I have a good friend, Steve Prada. He is not only an author, a speaker, a business coach, and not only did he sell an investment bank in Europe for a uh, large sum of money and moved to the United States in 2012 with his family to live his second chapter of life, but he's also one of the business uh, implementers in two of my companies, Limitless MD and Viking Capital. Steve, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Vikram, I'm very excited to be on your show, finally.
1: Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. So guys, I always talk about LGS, Leverage Growth and Scale. I always talk about how to take your company from an itty bitty idea in a twinkle of an eye that with the idea fairy, just deposit to you, you know, on your way to work one day to a Fortune 500 company, a Inc 5000 company. How does that happen? And you know, after the early stages of a business or an idea, you need to germinate and let it you need to ruminate it. And then, once you start having I would say at least three to four employees and you have some traction, something as powerful as a business operating system will really take you to the next level. Uh, so Steve, talk about sort of the journey of you becoming a business owner to business coach.
0: That's been a, a really rewarding journey. So as as you said, uh, I I was an investment banker. I started my own investment bank um, back 20 years ago uh, in Central Europe, in Hungary, and we grew pretty fast. And one of the things that allowed me to grow was this book called The Image by Michael Gerber. So that was back in 2005 when I read it, and I got really excited because Gerber was talking about working on your business, not in your business. Uh, he he introduced this concept of of you, kind of elevating yourself above of your business and looking at it as as a totally independent entity that you put together. It's like a Lego; you put it together and it's kind of work great. Uh, so I am super excited about it. I started creating processes in my business and and kind of drew the organization chart with the different people that they having functions, and that was very very interesting. And it really helped us uh, grow the business. We we grew fast, and up until two thousand eight, when we overextended ourselves. We had six big deals under our contract, and we were going to close all of them in the summer. And uh, we basically went on vacations, and we spent—I spent money like a sailor with my family because the the, the future was so bright. And then uh, the Lehman-induced financial crisis happened, and all our deals fell apart. And suddenly, you know, I had to scramble. Uh, and uh, then we, we came back and. And then what really happened again? That I found another book, which was Traction by Genio Wickman, who who took the whole uh, EMI's to the next level. He he basically modularized those concepts that uh, Michael Gerber talked about and created this uh, entrepreneurial operating system. So we implemented that in my business, MB Partners, and then we recovered. We started growing. Eventually, we sold to a private equity group, and I moved over with my family. And when I arrived, I was wondering what to do. And, uh, and I, I, first I tried some of the marketing tactics I was doing in Hungary and it was not working. Um, and there was so much noise here in the market, it was not that easy. And, and I said, okay, what am I going to do? So I went, uh, this company approached me called Vistage, which is a CEO coaching organization. And I thought, well, I'm going to go to Vistage and I, I learned the American way of how to market and how to sell. And I'm going to put together a mastermind group here in Richmond where I live. Uh, of these executives, that's going to be a great opportunity for me to see what's next. So I put this together. I had two groups here in Richmond, and uh, I really enjoyed, um, you know, learning about the American way and how this, these these uh, uh, CEOs were thinking. However, one thing really bugged me, which was we had this process of, of solving issues, brainstorming. Uh, CEO had a problem with their employees, or with growth, or with cash flow. And we brainstormed all these great ideas. And then they said, oh, yes, I'm going to do it. And then we came back the next month, the next quarter, and they were just not executing. And I got frustrated. Why aren't these people executing? They're just coming here. They are talking shop. And then they're not getting things done. And I thought, well, when we did Traction EOS, but the good thing about that was that it was for the whole leadership team. So you could actually, I, I as a business owner, I could make sure everyone was executing. So I thought, why don't I try that? So I went, uh, dusted off my copy of Traction, and I started working with with companies. And what I found was that some companies really embraced it very fast. And they were asking, "You give me more, give me more. And, uh, and Traction was a great simple system, but it was kind of limited. Uh, you could teach a company, a good company, in 12 to 18 months. You could teach all the tools, and then they, there was no more tools to give them. So that's when I left EOS uh, and and I created uh, my own system with my co-author um uh, Greg Cleary and Pinnacle is all about making this system uh, customizable to every company so it's not a you know a one size fits all a cookie cutter thing but we go into a company and whatever they need we focus on that we pull the levers that help that company and secondly it's scalable so when someone Climbs the first mountain, and there's a next. There's always a next mountain to climb. So, for example, this this book that came out this year, Strategy US. This is for companies that are already a valued machine, and then they want to dig that moat around their business. They need a great differentiating strategy, Then they can take the tools of Strategy US, and then they implement that as well in their business. And uh, and if they do that, uh, that's going to take them a couple of years. Then I have the next uh, thing coming out, and then I'm going to do that as well. But I'm not going to talk about it yet because it's still... Okay.
1: That's okay. Why don't you just give us a hint on what the topic is going to be at least?
0: Okay. Well, listen, um, I mean, everyone knows that a great business needs to have a great execution, a great strategy, right? And what's the third thing that a business must have? An exit? Well, that's for the owner. That's what the business wants. The so business doesn't care about its exit, right? The business itself, it's an organism all it cares about, it wants to grow, it wants to uh, feed the employees, it w- yeah. wants to uh, attract great people who want to uh, have a career, so they want to be in a growing business. That's what the business cares about. Um, so the third thing is the culture. You really need a great culture for a business for it to thrive. It's not enough to have great execution, great strategy, and a great culture.
1: That's where so, that quote, you know, culture eats strategy
0: for breakfast comes that's from. Right. Yeah. That's right. Peter Drucker.
1: All right, so. Those are all the frameworks and the books and sort of your journey. Now, let's get into it. How many companies have you been working with, uh, you know, all over the country um, to to take them to the next level? And uh, uh, more importantly, the types of companies, perhaps.
0: Over the years, uh, I've worked with a lot of companies. So as an investment banker, I've worked with a couple of hundred companies, helping them figure out how to position themselves, how to build a business plan, how to uh, find a buyer. Um, uh, but since as a business coach, since I moved over here, I coached a couple hundred more. So first the Vistage members and then uh, with the business operating system, um, to the latest count, uh, I think something like 55 companies so, have uh, so implemented this system.
1: You know, it takes, you know, 10 years, 10,000 hours. Typically, to, they, they say to become a master. I would say you're definitely a master because you put so much energy and time into this Skill set of evaluating businesses, understanding businesses, understanding teams, cultures, people, and then helping them advance. What are typical mistakes you see business owners make?
0: Uh, I think the biggest mistake they make is that they don't empower their people. So they. Uh, can, you,
1: can you expand on that? Uh,
0: yes. So they somehow have this notion that that uh, they want to control everything. They want to um, They want to put their own stamp on the business. They think they know everything better because they are the entrepreneur. They are the business one. They came up with the idea. They put it together. So they have this notion that they must be the one who knows everything better. Otherwise, they couldn't have done this. And it looks logical on the face of it. But on the other hand, um, you know, uh, when you are, uh, what's the what's the phrase is that the jack of all trades is master of none. So when you're the business owner and you know everything, yes, but you're not devoting all your time to any slice of the business. So you don't know any part of business at that deeper level. And yes, you may be surrounded by people who also don't know it better, but that's the game. You have to find those people who do know it better or they who have the uh, curiosity and the desire to know it better, and you hire these people, and then they're going to be much better in those functional areas of the business that you used to do yourself. And you just let them loose; you let them do it uh, their way. You just give them the vision, and uh, you let them reach that vision the best way that they can know that they know uh, uh, to do. And and this is what you're doing. I mean, you, you're most of your your businesses. You're pretty hands off. You've got great people, and then you give them. Uh, very lofty goals that sometimes you're gasping in these meetings that uh that is not possible <laughs> and then you have your uh, your you're projecting this uh, uh this the reality distortion field and then then they basically you sell them on the vision and then they start to believe it and then it happens so that's what that's what you need to do and but you need great people and you need the great business that attracts those people
1: so You know, I wanna I wanna explore this concept. Uh, You know, initially when I when I was getting into business and entrepreneurship, uh, I heard the concept of a CEO and a COO, and I thought that made a lot of sense, and that's what I was told and I've seen for many years. And then as I started learning about business literature, and you mentioned traction, and read Gino Wickman's book, he mentions the term of the visionary integrator. Can you talk about that, and then maybe also talk about the evolution of how now it's uh, you've you've taken that to this concept of the 2IC and visionary and sort of talk about from CEO to CEO to visionary to integrator to this other concept. Maybe you can talk about that transition, what it means and how people should start looking at things.
0: So there are different ways of looking at this, the different uh, schools of thought. Um, there is a school of thought that you have two types of people. You have these visionary people who have lots of ideas and they they can they are very excitable people they get excited about great ideas and they have this self belief that they can realize those ideas and they are they like to engage at this level of uh of dreaming basically the dreamers and then you have other people who are much more practical who are much more grounded and they like to get things done they like to execute things and if you put these two people together then you have this magical uh, combination uh this uh, you know CEO, CEO or visionary integrator team. So that's one school of thought. And and actually uh you see a lot of people. Actually I, I believe that there are a lot more people who are visionaries than who are great integrators. Because it's easy to dream and not get anything done, right? It's very easy to do that. Now of course the great visionary uh, are going to do more than just dream. Um, but even they uh, can benefit from having someone who executes well because it frees up your capacities to really stay at the strategic level and to think about building your business. The other school of thought is that it's an evolution. So you, when you start your career, you are uh, first you have to become a great contributor. Um, you have to get stuff done, you know, get shit done. And when you do that, then at some time, at some point, you are going to want to leverage your ability to get to learn through other people you start learn to become a manager and then you're going to manage a lot of people and as, as you get more experience your next leverage point is going to be to not actually spend your time managing people but find someone who will do that for you who you can get really on the same page with and then think about the big picture ideas and put together these teams that then can manage themselves. And then you are basically just energizing these things. You're like a nuclear reactor. You give them the energy and the ideas and uh, the, get them to buy into your vision and, and then you let them lose and and uh, they do, do the business. So there are two schools of thought. Um, I tend to believe that the greatest CEOs, they kind of come up the ranks. So it's not like you're a dreamer and then suddenly you just find... Uh, a person who's a great execution person and they're going to get everything done for you. Because in order for you to have the credibility to attract that execution person, you have to know your stuff. You can't just bluff your way through. You have to have the experience. You have to have realistic visions. Um, uh, uh, you cannot just uh, you know, come up with, uh, with stupid stuff.
1: Okay, so uh, a lot of people they don't get traction or they don't get uh, momentum in their businesses because they're one of these kind of components and they don't have the the, the complementary half. Uh, is, that, is that what you're sort of seeing in the, some of the companies you work with?
0: I think that uh, you you get to the point where you are really good at managing, but that's not anymore moving the needle because uh, as managing people, you, you have a certain span of control. You can manage five, seven, maybe 10 people at the at utmost. Uh, but what's the value of that? Of of managing those people? Maybe it's five hundred thousand dollars an hour, but where do you go from there? Uh, you have to go to the level of ideas and concepts and relationship, big relationships, and you have to free yourself up, and then you need that second person.
1: So, uh, in in my companies, um, I'm just going to share with the audience here, guys. I've always uh, been more the visionary. And I've had companies where I never had an integrator, and it never took off. but I've in the companies where I've had an integrator, a real integrator, and and now I would say they're in, in the old concept of the visionary over the integrator. and I think I really like how Steve now talks about the visionary and they call it two i c or second in command. And it's almost like a Yin Yang, if you can remember that Korean symbol, the black and white symbol that is really, they, they work together really. And, and that one unit can essentially lead a whole company. And, um, you know, there's a book called rocket fuel that talks about these two people working together, being on the same page, making sure they're in the same space. So that's, that's really powerful. So Steve, let's, let's talk about this concept of moonshot goals and celebrating the 70%. I I, re, I remember reading this in one of your books and it really intrigued me. How can, how can, how can, how can physicians who are starting their companies
0: or whatever um, entrepreneurship or their clinics use this concept? So the idea of the moonshot goals is that in order for goals to be really motivating, uh, there has to be a distance between your current reality and the goal, because that gap between the two creates the tension of that of the goal. If the goal is too, more, it's, too it's incremental. It's like grow ten percent a year. Who gets excited about it? But to to 10X your business, that's freaking exciting. I mean, that can get me out of bed to 10 my business. So you need to have big enough goals to really energize the thinking. Also, when you have a big goal, it will force you to get to think out of the box. You cannot just keep on doing and running faster and, and go ten times faster, right? It's not possible. You have to break things and rethink things and, and do things differently. So that's the idea. But when you set uh, these moonshot goals, then uh, being a perfectionist and expecting 100% completion is demotivating and unrealistic. Because if I want to 10x my companies and heck, I 7x my companies, do I have to be depressed about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be crying about 7xing my company.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so so it's, it's basically uh, saying, okay, uh, this is an impossible goal, but this is what we're shooting for. And then um, if we end up 70% or higher, we're going to celebrate because that is amazing. That is awesome. Now, the flip side of it is that if you make every goal in your company uh this kind of a 70% goal, then you're going to uh, uh, generate some level of mediocrity uh, because uh, there are certain things that, Seventy percent good is not good enough. So, a person who person who uh, builds a car that is seventy percent uh, operational, who wants to drive a car that is in the garage two days a week, right? It, it's it's useless. So, uh, so for certain smaller goals, you have to be hundred. You have to shoot for hundred percent. So when you you have a seven a moonshot, a big hairy ambitious goal, uh, but then you break down and you're going to have a strategic plan for the year. And then you have quarterly goals, and you want those quarterly goals to be uh, actually tangible goals so that you can hold your team and yourself accountable that you actually achieve it. Not 70%, which is harder to measure, but 100%.
1: You know, when I survey um, all the physicians out there, many of them fall in this what we call an operator category, and they're not really owners. And, you know, this operator-owner languaging has been thrown around for many years. The people who are in the ground and sort of the sort of the hustle of it all, they think it's mythical. It's a, it's not really achievable. Can you sort of unpackage some of that? How do people really do become owners and not operators, or transition from operators to being true owners of a business? And especially if you know physicians and clinics and you know entrepreneurship uh, of, of what doctors are trying to do.
0: In my parents are doctors, incidentally. Uh... My dad is is still a cardiologist. He's 82, but he's still working. And like you, like you used to be a cardiologist as well. Um, and I, what I've seen with my parents is that their identity is really wrapped up in their profession. So they think of themselves as doctors. And when my mother started a, a clinic, uh, not a clinic, but a private practice of dermatology. Uh, she wasn't thinking of herself as a business person. She was thinking of herself as, as a doctor who is working in her private practice. And that actually led to her not being a very successful, uh, business person. Um, I think it's an, it's a question of identity. So as long as we see ourselves as the professional, as the doctor and not the business person, it's going to be really hard to remove yourself from actually doing that thing. And, um, And there is actually a very great book about uh, professional service companies, and it talks about this idea that there are three mindsets for a professional uh, person, um, and you can create three types of business based on that mindset. The first business is the brains businesses. So a brains business is- How do you you
1: spell it? How do you spell that?
0: Brains, like in the head. Oh, okay. Brains, B-R-A-I-N-S. Got it. Yeah, brains. Uh, so it's it's when the business is built around the expertise of that person. So you got this star, um your brain surgeon who is going to operate, and it's going to co- you know it's going to be two thousand dollars an hour or, or more. Or it's this plastic surgeon who is going to uh, you know do you know special um, um, uh, surgical operations. It's going to be very high margin. But it's all about that person and surrounded by helpers who are going to help them perform at their best. But it's all about selling that person's time. It's the celebrity doctor. Now, the second level is when you, it's called the gray hairs. Um, A gray hair operation is where you surround yourself with other high-level professionals who are going to give the comfort of the of the patients that they're going to be taking care of. Maybe not at the level of the brain's $2,000 an hour uh, surgeon, but maybe, I don't know, 500 dollars an hour, uh, and then you're leveraging off. That's when you build a medical practice, and you are essentially taking cut of all those people, and they're gonna play pay as as uh, employees in your business. The third level is when it's the uh, it's the scalable business where uh, it, it's called the efficiency business where you are building, bringing in young people, you train them. It's like the big accounting firms work like that. The big um, uh, little firms work uh, work like that, uh, and possibly big hospital uh, companies work like that as well. I don't I don't know it as much, where you bring in a, a young professionals who are highly educated and they're motivated, and you work them to, uh, work, you know, have them work very hard, and they are in an apprenticeship, and they they you know they are there because they want to learn the profession, and someday in ten years they want to become a high paid doctor, and it's going to be in this meat grinder. And then some of them are going to raise to the top and they're going to be hospital directors or partners or whatever. Uh, and the rest of them are going to leave. So these are the three models. And uh, and actually, I only think the third model is really a business because the second is a practice. It's a practice where you, you are taking care of from everyone else, but you're still there working in that practice. The third one is when you're removing yourself and it's it's all the young doctors that do all the work. Uh, maybe you consult a little bit but it's all about you building uh, the hospital is is your business
1: when um, a doctor is wrapping up their practice and they want to actually sell it for a value what do you think are the couple of top top two or three things they can do to actually have more value for their practice uh, for sale
0: depending on uh, on the branch of medicine uh, but i uh, you know what i believe is that what's most important is is your relationship so do you maintain a relationship with your patients? Uh, do they have an emotional connection? Do they? Uh, are you top of mind with them? So, um, do they uh, feel that they belong to to your practice and they want to be seen by you on a regular basis? If that's the case,s then you have something to sell. If uh, if if you're just, you know, transactional, a transactional, you don't really have a brand. If if other people, for example, I, I I had a cataract operation a couple of years ago here in, in Richmond. And I went to this uh, eye uh, doctor, uh, Dr. Lipstock, and he treated me. I went to see him. He, he advised me. And and then finally, when it came to the operation, he referred me to a surgeon who was operating this, uh, this surgery center. And all he did was he got these referrals into the center and he was operating. So he didn't have any relationships with the doctors. He was just an expert who were executing. He had the operation room. So I don't know if his business was more valuable than Dr. Lipstock, who was maybe not a star surgeon, but he had actually a, a lot of patients who were connected to him. I still go keep going back to him. It's an annuity for him to have me as a patient, even though I'm healthy now. And this other guy, I've never seen him before. He may he seems he may be very famous, but um, he doesn't doesn't get any recurring income from me. Got it. Um
1: so that personal touch, that uh brand identity, brand loyalty, um creating that um uh, empowering uh sort of raving fan clients, uh and in this case, raving fan patients. Uh and, and and we'll we'll wrap up with this last question. Um, you talk about five xing your business, uh, following a lot of the strategies you talk about in some of your books. Um, how do, how does one think about that uh, in terms of monetarily? Like how it seems such like a big big overwhelming task to five x my business, but you really break it down into some simple steps.
0: It's it's a, it's very simple. So uh, what what I uh, say is that you can easily five x your business in five years. So it's not 5x in three months, 5x in five years. And you can do actually much better than that. It's it's a very conservative plan. So here is how it works. You have to grow your top line by 20% each year for five years, which which is very doable. So 20%, even a professional service firm, uh, maybe a medical practice can do it, even if it depends on highly qualified doctors and bringing them into your culture. At about a rate of twenty percent a year, you can increase your the number of people in your organization without breaking the culture. So that that works, and this is all you have to do. So if you grow your top line by twenty percent for five years, that's going to two and a half time your business. And then the other thing you do is you just double the net profit margin of your business, and most companies have ample room to increase their profit margin by. Uh, by just improving their pricing, by differentiating their business, by creating uh, playbooks in their business, uh, by creating an execution cadence so that people are performing, and you've got goals, and people have metrics, and you create this, ex- and you have a meeting structure so that people communicate better with each other, and it will easily double the net profit margin in five years. I would wager that most companies can do it in three years. Uh, they can. Uh, they can 5X their business if they, let's say they still do the 20% growth because the professional service business, but you can do better, uh, but you can increase your net profit margin much more than just double. it.
1: Guys, that last piece of knowledge is invaluable. It's worth the price of admission to 5X your business, increase your top line revenue by 20% over the next five years and double your net profit margin. And you have a 5X business or more so And all of this is laid out in, in Steve's books, StrategyOS, Pinnacle, Viable. So please look for all of those are on Amazon. They'll have links below in our show notes. Steve, man, that's so much amazing information. I know we're just scratching the surface of uh, of your wealth of knowledge, but thank you again for sharing that with all our listeners. How can people learn about you, work with you, get into your ecosystem?
0: So, my website is stevepraida.com, uh, P R E D A, not like the fashion brand, but mm-hmm. Prada And you can find everything on the website. I'm also on LinkedIn, so Steve Prada Business Growth uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, you can follow me. We are getting really active there and posting videos and posting. Uh, I've got a podcast, The Management Blueprint, and got great guests. Vikram was on it also. Uh, we had uh, over 180 episodes and uh, we're looking for framework. So if you have a great framework that you want to share with my audience, just reach out to me and uh, and we can have a chat and uh, we c- you can come and talk about it on the podcast as well.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Uh, and listeners, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Please follow us on YouTube as well. A lot of our my episodes are also on YouTube. So please follow us there. And again, until next time, guys, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to
0: this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. Until next time, be phenomenal.